Episode 2 of the Uptempo Podcast. Today we sat down with Jefferson Mason. He played for Minnesota State Mankato, where he was named an All-American and competed in the Division II Final Four. After college, he moved to play overseas in Germany, Romania, and Luxembourg before returning to the United States to play in the D-League. Currently, he's a skills trainer for Dr. Dish Basketball up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he works with players of all ages, including some big-name pros. Be sure to check out Coach Mason on all social media platforms. And don't forget to follow Dr. Dish as well. Coach, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? I'm good. It's good to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. So you're uh, you're with Dr. Dish now, right? What city is that located in? So we're right outside of Minneapolis um, in Bloomington, so maybe about 15 minutes away. I'll jump on the highway 10, 15 minutes of that, so not too far from the Target Center where the Wolves play. So we're, we're in a nice spot. Are you safe? Are you good? Yeah, so I live... Um, just right outside of Minneapolis in a suburb. So, you know, it's probably a lot of that stuff that is happening, you know, maybe two, three miles. And um, even though that's pretty close, if you think about it, it's, it's a, it's enough distance where, you know, in my neighborhood, there isn't really anything happening, um, you know, and they, they've kind of uh, started to really bring in the big guns and get everything settled in. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy all the stuff that's happening down there right now, but Um, you know, it really isn't the first time. So for us, you know, kind of in the the suburb city area, it's, I mean, we've dealt with it before. So, um, yeah, I'm glad they got it taken care of though. Yeah. So it's dying down a little bit. Yeah, it is. I think last night it was really at its peak, uh, just because it was kind of all day and then it went into the night and then, you know, people started vandalizing and burning stuff and that always just triggers and takes people to the next level. So um, but you know, people get tired and they got to go to sleep and, and all that. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, that happened and then there was a ton of police out. So they, they got things to die down. Who knows if, if it'll pick up and continue again today or tonight. But I mean, there's so many things destroyed over there that at some point in time, if you're living in the community and you're a part of that, or even if you're by the community, and you're part of it, you're starting to maybe think like, wait a minute the store, the grocery store that I have to go to, the AutoZone, the dollar store that I go to every day, it's closed and destroyed. Now I can't get the stuff I need. Maybe I should keep doing this because it's really, it's actually hurting me even more. I think people are starting to realize that and they're slowing down. Yeah. I mean, I'm praying for y'all, bro. It's it's crazy stuff because I'm just seeing it on Twitter and everything that I've seen is just like people running through Target, just, you know, the mask on and taking things just like you know i it's just crazy what's going on so i'm praying for y'all thanks man yeah um so before i got you on the podcast i wanted to see how you played and uh i I came across a highlight tape and um man you had some bounce (laughs) i still can jump a little bit i'm not that old but yeah back in the back then i really did um i mean i still do stuff in the dish lab and i dunk here there but you know in my prime from college until probably you know, maybe three years ago, that was probably the the main part of my game. I was a slasher and dunker and creator. And so it's it's somewhat ironic that, um, you know, I'm so focused on shooting and whatnot because that was something that, honestly, myself as a player, I wasn't the greatest at. If I was better, I probably would have, um, you know, maybe even played at a higher level or had a little bit more success. But um, that's why I think it's so beautiful in – 
and you know my coaching, my training, and and even for Dr. Dish, our company, why it means so much to me is I understand the importance of shooting the basketball. Um, and so yeah, I mean, everybody gets amped up and they're excited about the dunks and all that cool stuff, which is great. But you know, the meat of the game of basketball, the greatest players are able to shoot the three, the two. Um, they're the ones that stay in the league the longest. They're the ones that have the most success. It's just, um, you know, the numbers don't lie on that. Especially nowadays, you know, with the game changing, you know, Curry changed the game. Uh, and now maybe back then when people getting hype over dunks, you know, when you see Steph come across the half court line, he's, he's you know, in range. Well, um, people, are, people are seeing too that that is a more realistic picture of who they could be. Um, you know, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of human beings in general that are six seven, six eight, six nine that can run like gazelles and jump. It's cool to see that, but a lot of people don't relate to that. But you can relate to a guy that's six two, six three that doesn't look, you know, overly muscular. It's not super, super athletic. I mean, he's he is athletic, but not you know freakishly athletic. But he can shoot the basketball, and that's a skill that you can learn if you just put the time and the effort in and you study it and all that good stuff. So I think it reinvigorated a lot of basketball players on the, the boys and the girls side of like, wow, I could, I could be a game changing player like that, or I could be cool or popular um, and be like Steph Curry or, you know, Clay Thompson and some of these other guys that are a little bit more realistic uh, to what a, a normal human being stature may be. Right. Yeah. I definitely think it's more relatable for sure. It's crazy how you changed the game like that. Let's go over some of your background. So you played in D2. You went to the what was the G League. Yep. And you played overseas as well, right? Yep. So um, I, I grew up here in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, high school and, and whatnot. I actually played Division One basketball for two and a half years. So I played out in northern Colorado for Tad Boyle, who's a really good coach. He's at University of Colorado now. Um, and decided to make a change after uh, the beginning of my junior year. And then I transferred to Minnesota State Mankato, which is a D2. Uh, very, very good D2 and a very good conference. They've had a lot of success. Um, part of the reason why I went there as well. Uh, and, yeah, so I went there and um, played another two years. Um, and we were extremely successful both those years, especially my senior year. Uh, we went to the Final Four. And, you know, obviously when your team has a lot of success, um, you know, you have an opportunity to get in individual accolades, and, and that's kind of what came for me after that year. I mean, I was All-American, All-District, All-Conference, you know, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, I won essentially almost every award that you could at the Division II level. Um, and so that, that helped me uh, build my resume up enough where I had interest to play professional basketball. And so I started over in Europe, um, you know, and then did have a chance to play in, uh, in the D-League, actually, at the time, for the Dallas Mavericks. So um, in 2012-13, when I played, it's a lot different than what it is now and the money that they're offering guys and all that good stuff, but it was definitely a good experience. So, you know, they're talking about uh, allowing guys to come straight out of high school to go to the G-League now. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You have well, I think it's a, um, you know, a good opportunity for uh, those players if they feel that they're ready. I mean, honestly, the overseas is trying to build its brand. Different countries are trying to increase the popularity of basketball. And the way that you do that is get really, really good players that will stick and stay um, and, and put on a show. And so some of these high school players have millions of followers on social media. 
Um, and for them to go and play a year or two and develop and then get drafted, it bodes well for these overseas, you know, teams. Um, and, you know, the NBA, I think, in general, is realizing that a lot of players were leaving out of high school and going there, um, that it really wasn't working out in the NCAA as far as um, the control and power that they have over players' images and likeness and so on and so forth. Um, and for this particular group of kids, maybe it's 15 to 20 kids or maybe a little bit more, they're, they feel that they're ready to take their game to the next level. Uh, basketball is a unique sport where you don't have to be built uh, like a football player uh, to protect yourself or be successful. You can be super skinny. You can be uh, super strong. You can be a little bit shorter. You can be taller. It just depends on your skill and your mindset and how you play the game. Um, and so I think the NBA really looked and saw that there was an opportunity to take these kids, put them in, you know, their system, grow the G League, which is the minor league of NBA basketball, um, and really grow that brand and then ultimately keep players here under their wing so that they can develop them and then have a little bit more control on, um, you know, their branding and where they go. It's, it was also a great opportunity for them to help young players. I mean, if you can get $500,000 to play in the, in the, you know, the G League for four or five, six months or whatever it is, um, why, would you, why would you turn that down? If, you know, going to college is, is an amazing experience. I absolutely loved it. But if somebody offered me $500,000, I would for sure take that opportunity, even if it was only for one year of basketball. At the end of the day, $500,000 um, after taxes is still going to be able to pay for your education if you want to go that route and do it down the road. So I think – Speaking basketball strictly, um, it was a good move by the NBA. There's a lot of things that they're going to have to work out to make it work and uh, be more of a long-term situation. And, and I think the NCAA is counteracting that right now with some of the, the rules changes that they're doing because they understand that, um, you know, for them it's a money-making business as much as people don't want to believe it, it is. Uh, so they're, they're adjusting as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years and what routes players de decide to choose to go. Yeah, that was that was kind of my next question. Like um, the NCAA is obviously going to have to make a change. Do you think they go the route of paying their players as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, in in all truthfulness, um, just like it is right now, people are going to benefit and some won't. In in every in, you know, if you're a person that doesn't benefit out of it, other than going to the college and getting an athletic scholarship, you're still going to be happy. I mean, kids are going to be happy to get an athletic scholarship and play with some of these already superstars in high school. So, um, you know, I, I do think that they're going to create a structure in which, you know, every player is getting, um, you know, maybe a little something. And then for the players that have 5 million followers on social media and they can promote a t-shirt or a pair of shoes or use their image in a commercial or whatnot, uh, that's going to help a company sell, you know, more of their product. I think the NCAA is going to loosen up on that because, again, it, it really, in my opinion, it makes no sense to not allow somebody to use their own name and their own image when a university or institution is already doing that um, for them. So um, fairness is, is kind of out of the question. It's just like the regular world. You have guys that are CEOs and vice presidents and, and directors of companies, and then you have people that you know are coming in working nine to fives regular every day. They get paid less. Um, that's part of how the world works. So, I mean, even on that level of the game of basketball, you're going to have your superstars and you're going to have your guys that, um, you know, are the role players and that, you know, complete the team. 
and they'll get paid differently. That's just the way that it is. So I don't think you should punish the kids that, um, you know, are above average, that have worked extremely hard, that um, have a dedicated following, that are good kids. Um, I don't think you should punish them and, and not allow them to make money um, off of themselves uh, because they, you know, an institution or a college wants to hold that. So I'm all for payers, you know, within the right structure and way, um, you know, getting compensated in, in that sense. And as long as it doesn't hurt the NCAA system as a whole, um, you know, I think it, it could be a good thing. Again, you know, one thing that they said is a competitive advantage, you know, players, if, if a Duke or North Carolina is going to pay a player, then and they have more money than, you know, you know, a smaller division one school, it's going to be harder. Well, let's be honest, a Zion Williamson would, would never go to a small division one school. It, it just doesn't happen. They're going to go to a top 10 school anyway. So uh, that argument doesn't really make any sense anyhow. And there's so many talented players out there now that it really doesn't matter. So I think they got to get to the root of the issue of what it is. And, and it's all circulated around money. And I think if you're an individual that can make money off of your name or likeness, like anybody else in society, you should be able to do it. I agree completely. Kind of going back to the player development side, as you're developing younger kids and this younger generation, what are some of the key qualities that you focus on during your development or with your kids? Like what are the key qualities nowadays kids have to have? Like what's the basis? Yeah, definitely. So my thing is, is I always say don't get um, bored with the fundamentals. Um, and fundamentals has taken a life of its own where coaches and maybe old school people say fundamentals and then the younger kids like, oh, no, that's, that's, you know, old school basketball or this and that. And when I talk about fundamentals, I'm not talking about, you know, your basic one dribble and this and that. I'm talking about, you know, your footwork, the way that you uh, are in an athletic stance, the way that you observe the basketball court, your movements, the understanding of the game. Those are the fundamental pieces that you have to learn before you can do all the other cool things that players want to jump to right away. You know, I have some players that will come in, they hate it, and they'll train with me and I'll say, hey, uh, you know, shoot around, do some stuff. They'll knock down, you know, some deep threes. And then I'll say, you know, go shoot some layups and they can't make a left-handed layup. Well, I'll, I'll call them out of that. And a lot of them don't like that. They won't come back. Some will look and be like, wow, you know, I never thought of it that way. And my point is, is that, you know, you've got to learn how to be a well-rounded player in the game of basketball now, nowadays. I mean, there's so many good players you know, with, have, have trainers that, that are watching YouTube that are in their backyard, you know, with a Dr. Dish shooting machine or at their high school with a, a Dr. Dish shooting machine getting better. And if you're not working hard on your all-around game, you're not going to stay, you know, on par. And so for me, when players come in, I always talk to them about, you know, uh, the basic fundamentals and things that they need to understand about the game, okay? So you can learn how to uh, shoot the basketball. You can learn how to dribble the basketball. You can learn how to do all those things, but applying it come game time is huge. Game time situations or being able to uh, manipulate the basketball when you need to, because you're never going to know what a defender's going to do. You never know what a uh, coach, uh, a defensive scheme is going to be on you or for the game. You have to be prepared for any situation. And so I pride myself on making sure that all the players are ready for multiple situations. And then I cater that to who they are as an individual. So not everybody's going to come in and be, um, you know, uh, LeBron James. That's just impossible. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be role players. 
And so saying these are the things that we can work on so that if you want to work towards being uh, that number one or two guy or girl on your team, you can. But right now in your role and what you're doing, this is what you need to be able to do great. And so let's work on that. Let's understand where you fit in and then do that and be great at that. And once you really become great at that, expand your game and continue to go on. And, you know, players that can take hold of that are going to find success, you know, at the high school level. And then those are usually the ones that uh, have success in college and, and beyond as well. Gotcha. Yeah, the, um, the game's changing. We're getting more towards like a positionless type game. Uh, where, you know, we got stretch fives now and we got big guys shooting the ball from deep. Um, is there a certain age where you start to focus more on uh, a certain position with some kids and a certain position with some others? Or do yeah, you just so I really don't do anything with, uh, you know, too much with position work per se. I mean, if a guy's going to be or a girl's going to be handling the basketball, we're going to work on situations where they're handling the ball. If they're more of a shooter and they're at that age where they know that that's kind of their strength. We're going to work on situations where, you know, they're going to succeed in that. But for young players, when they come in, I mean, um, you're really young youth players, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I don't try to put them in categories, even if they coaches do, you know, you have some kids that uh, mature and, and grow early at an, a very early age and they may be five, six, seven inches taller than everybody. And at that moment in time, maybe they're a better rebounder. Maybe they can block shots better. That doesn't mean that you necessarily have to put them in the post or categorize them as that type of player. It just means that they're strong at that right now. But if they stop growing and everybody catches up, they probably will be weaker in those skills down the line. So if you only focus on that, then you're going to do the player disjustice. So when I have players come in, I like to train them in every aspect of the game. You know, shooting is always going to be huge because, like you said, it's a positionless game. And I do believe, you know, even at the youth levels and the collegiate levels, uh, they're moving towards more so like the NBA where you just don't have power forwards and centers and things like that. You have your one through, your one through five. Give it a number. And even when I played in college, you know, I was more of a wing but I played in the post sometimes. If I had a mismatch, you know, I would take my guy out if they were slower. I'd bring the basketball up at times. I'd shoot threes. I'd, you know, drive to the hoop and dish it out. I'd do whatever because I was a versatile player. And, and those are the players that are the most useful because you can put them anywhere on a team. So, again, you know, I try to allow players to, to learn how to be versatile so that if they're on a team and a coach needs a rebounder and defender, they can be that. If they need a player that can shoot the basketball, they can be that. If they need a player to bring up the ball and initiate the offense, they can be that. Um, you know, and they can fit in. And, and that's what basketball at a younger age is lacking. you got everybody that wants to be the star player or that has been categorized in one area and they're limited. So to get to your question, when, when players come in, I don't, I don't put them in categories. I might ask them what their strengths are and what position that, you know, they're currently playing. And I say, hey, well, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? Do you want to dribble the basketball? Do you want to shoot the ball? And so let's work on it. You know, I'm never going to tell a kid no, uh, you know, but I'll be honest with them where they're at with their skill set. And if they want to be a shooter and handle the ball and they go to tryouts or they're playing on a team and they can't do that, well, let's be realistic for ourselves. You're, you're not going to be that person on the team. So you just continue to work if you want to be there. But I'll never take a, a kid's hopes and dreams of who they may be and take it away. Always be realistic. But that's just the way the game of basketball is. Eventually, over time, you'll figure out where you fit in and where you need to go. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, too, that trying to get the kids to understand, like, basic fundamentals is absolutely necessary. And 
sometimes they get upset because you know you'll you'll break it to them like you've got to be able to make a left-handed layup would you say that's the most difficult part of your job in uh in development yeah i would say that i mean self-awareness in general in life uh people shy away from it they don't like it i mean there's been times in myself when i played basketball where a coach told me hey man you're not as good as you think you are or you need to work on this and i would be like man that coach is hating it. they don't know what they're talking about but in reality they were actually telling the truth i was just not aware or i was in denial of what it is and so for me right from the beginning i like to be clear with the player and letting them know like hey I have nothing against you. I only want you to succeed. So everything that I tell you is truthful and it's here to help you. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything because that wouldn't be doing you justice as a person. I'm going to give you self, um, you know, a positive uh, construction. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to try to be as positive as possible. But at the same token, I got to make sure that I'm letting you know when you're doing things wrong or if you're not where you think you are. And so when players come in and they can't make left-handed layups or they can't do these simple things, I tell them, hey, this is where we have to start. We have to learn this before we can get to this. Because, you know, uh, as far as the structure, the fundamentals in order of how things go, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, any coach, if, you know, you can't make a left-handed layup, it's going to put something in their mind right off the bat. So I think the biggest thing is, is that self-awareness piece and just letting players know, like, hey, the sooner you can look at yourself and understand who you are, where you want to go, your strengths and your weaknesses, that's when you're going to have an opportunity to become great. If you're in denial of the things that you can't do great or you don't want to work on them because you think you're already great at it, you're going to be left behind, fall behind, and no coach is going to want to coach you. So if I can get a player to understand that in a situation with me in a one-on-one -on -one, or even if it's in a group setting, I feel that that will benefit the player you know, down the line when they do have a coach that says, hey, man, you got to be a better shooter if you want some time on the court. Hey, man, uh, you know, you got to be a better defender if you want some time on the court. They won't take it as, hey, the coach is offending me. I need to get out of here. They're going to say, all right, well, let me get in the gym and let me work and let me be better at that so that when the next opportunity comes, I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, that's good stuff. And, you know, everybody's got their role. The last dance, for example, like Dennis Rodman, his role was get rebounds, and he knew that. And I think that's a large part of why they were so successful. So when you when you were playing, did you ever see yourself coming back and getting into player development or did you want to be a coach or did you see yourself getting out of the game? Where where did player development come from? Well, so when I was playing, um, even in college, I would come back during the summer and I would work with, you know, other guys, even my age and we would train and, and I would try to help them with the things that I was good at. And, and I would also take their advice as well. So that's kind of where it started. But when I became a, a pro player, um, you know, I would come back in the summers. I got an opportunity uh, to, to be a part of the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx uh, Youth Academy. And that was like my, my big start in 2011-12, where I started doing uh, youth camps and clinics. I started working with players one-on-one. -on -one. I started seeing other player developmental coaches work with players. Um, and for me, I was like, I, I love kids. I love the game of basketball. Uh, during the summers, I'm not doing anything because it's the off season. Let me, you know, learn the game myself and learn how to teach it and, and help other players get better. And so it started that way uh, where I was running camps and clinics and then they continued to grow. I started getting better at um, explaining the game and understanding players and helping them take their games to the next level while I was still trying to do that myself. Um, and, and as I continued to, you know, play in my career, I got to a point where 
um, I knew I wanted to make a change and I wanted to do something different with my life and, and I had a different purpose. So I made that decision to, to stop playing personally myself and move into the next aspect of life. Now, at that moment in time, I did not know that um, it would be anything basketball related. I figured, hey, I have a head start in the basketball world because I played and, and been a part of my whole life. But I didn't know if that was what I was going to do. It just so happened that, you know, I was blessed by God with, you know, some great opportunities and um, kind of ran with them. And, 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 you know, now here I am. So with that, with all that being said, do you have any uh, aspirations to get on the tactical side of things and getting to coaching? I'll tell you what, right now, not a chance in the world. And I, and I say that out of the most respect for coaches. I think that uh, being a youth coach is probably the most difficult thing out there to do. I also think being a high school coach, a college coach, and a professional coach is extremely stressful. You have to manage, you know, 10 to 15 different personalities, keep people happy. At the high school and youth level, you got to keep parents happy. They want a ton. It takes a lot of time. And, and you know, um, the, the, the benefits that come out of it sometimes don't feel like they outweigh the work that you have to do. So on that aspect of things, I don't think as a 32-year-old guy with young kids myself, I'm ready to be there. My kids get a little bit older. I'll probably want to be a part of it and be a coach, and, and I'll make the jump then. But right now, I really love uh, being able to work with players that want to get better. And I feel that all the players that come to our facility in Bloomington or that ask me to come train and work with them, they truly want to get better. Their ears are open. Their eyes are open. Um, and that's a great feeling for me, knowing that I'm helping somebody that wants to get better. Uh, with that being said, I, I've worked with youth teams fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade teams, C teams that aren't very good. And sometimes their parents drop the kids off and it's almost like a daycare to them. Um, and it's cool to see those kids turn elite, you know, when, when they're having a lot of fun. So I do take pride in that as well. But as far as getting on the coaching side, I don't really have any desire to do that right now. But, you know, that may change down the line. And you said you worked with the Timberwolves and the Lynx, the youth academies. Did you ever uh, have the opportunity to work out with the pros or work them out? Yeah, definitely. So um, I actually spent about two or three months with the Minnesota Timberwolves after my rookie year uh, in Germany. And I worked out with them and all the players there extensively. I met all the coaches. And uh, that was part of the reason why I decided to stay stateside. And I got drafted in the D-League because of it. Um, so I had an opportunity to work personally with those guys when I was playing. Um, during the summers and, and all that good stuff. But as far as the training aspect, you know, during that same period of time, um, you know, I was running camps and clinics for guys like Zach Levine and, and Lindsey Whalen and Simone Augustus. You know, I was running all their player camps, um, you know, helping build their brand and the Timberwolves brand and then also having the kids be able to experience that together. But, you know, once I started with Dr. Dish and we really built this platform of training and, and working with other great trainers, the door really opened up there for for guys here locally and, and also out of state to reach out and say, hey, you know, I'd love to get in the gym and put some work in. Um, you know, NBA guys and even college guys, they're always looking for new people to work with to get different perspectives and, and new knowledge on the game. Every trainer is a little bit different. Even if you see a video and you're like, oh, that's the same move this trainer does. Their teaching points are always a little bit different. Their situations are a little bit different in how they, uh, you know, um, regurgitate all that type of stuff from what even they've learned is different so you know guys will reach out and say hey I, I want to get a quick workout in or I'm in town um, you know is there any workouts or anything like that and you know you do a good job and you work with some of these players and, and they see some of the results you know it starts to spread and I think any 
trainer that works with high school, college, or, or NBA players will, will say the same. You do a good job. You understand your stuff. You put the time and effort. You actually really care. Uh, the results will come. So you kind of touched on my next question. Even at the pro level, these guys are still wanting to learn. Like what some might think uh, at that level, you would know everything. You know the footwork. You know how to do everything to gain the advantage on the defense. But these guys are still learning, not just getting reps. They're constantly getting better and learning new things. Yeah, definitely. The game is evolving every single year. There's something new that's happening or somebody develops something new. And if you're stagnant, you're going to let, get left behind. That's like everything in life. So these guys, especially every year that they're in the NBA, they start to really understand who they are, how they're going to stick in the NBA, their different roles. And so the things that they're working on, they're still learning, but they're fine tuning those things that they already know they need to work on. So if I'm in the NBA and I know, hey, I'm probably not going to be a LeBron James or a Kobe Bryant or anything like that, but I'm going to be a really good role player. I have to learn how to be the best version of that. Now, remember, a lot of these guys come high school, college, they are the star player. So to make a transition from being the star player at college to a guy that um, is a rebounder, defender, or hit shots in the corner, or a distributor, is difficult to do. So they have to learn everything that comes with that the mental part, the physical part, the team part, uh, to be successful. Like, what people don't realize, you saw a little bit of it, Dennis Rodman averaged, you know, over 20-some points when he was in college. Now, you know, was he playing for Duke or anything like that? But, no, he was a star guy. He scored a lot of points. He also got a lot of rebounds. But when he got to the NBA, he understood, hey, I'm not really going to be a guy that scores the basketball. We have some other players that are really great at that. But one thing I know for sure that I can do, I can run the floor, I can be tough, I can rebound, I can defend. And I can help my team with energy in that way. And he took ownership of it. And he learned how to perfect that craft, like he said, said in um, you know, the last dance. And so, guys, those type of players are the ones that are really continuing trying to learn just even that intricate part of who they are within the team. Um, and the ones that do figure it out, they stay in the NBA for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years. The ones that don't, that are superstar players, uh, that end up not being, you know, superstar players in the NBA, after one or two or three years, they fizzle out and you really don't hear about those guys anymore. So every year is an adjustment. Every player is in a different situation. It's a matter of how hard you're going to work. Um, you know, again, self-awareness and, and understanding the game of basketball. So before we get off, is there anything that you want to say or get out there to the people that are listening? Definitely. So, I mean, it, for all the, the people that are listening, if you're a coach, trainer, uh, mom, dad, if you're a player on the boys or girls side, uh, be sure to check out Dr. Dish Basketball. I mean, we have a lot of cool drills and things that we have going on right now, especially uh, since people are kind of stuck at home and they can't get to their high schools or, or even maybe facilities. Uh, we have our machines that are built for indoor-outdoor use. We actually have a home dish now that is extremely affordable, um, that players are able to get thousands of shots up and, and do challenges and games with their family and friends. And again, you know, for information on, you know, how we can help take your game or help your players take their game to the next level, make sure to visit us at drdishbasketball.com. Um, on our social, Dr. Dish B-Ball, you can find us on IG, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. We're always putting out a ton of content, drills with pro players, with college coaches, uh, high school coaches, you know, trainers like myself, Drew Hanlon, Jordan Lolly, DJ Sackman, just a lot of cool stuff we got putting out there. So just minimally be, be uh, uh, check us out and be sure to, to, to give us a follow on that. 
Um, and, you know, hopefully we can help you either with the machine or, or just with the drills and the content that we're putting out there. Thank you.